Welcome to Inside the Coach's Office with Spencer Wall and Logan High School football head coach Mike Eddy. At the end of the day, this is all about our athletes. These kids are getting better. Those guys go out and compete week after week after week. Where are we really as a program? Welcome to Inside the Coach's Office, brought to you by LoganFootball.com. You can find Inside the Coach's Office on the homepage of LoganFootball.com, on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Spencer Wall, and I'm glad to be joined today by Chieftain Head Football Coach Mike Eddy. Uh, Coach, um, I would call that senior night effort defiant. There's a word necessarily I hadn't hadn't put at the uh, top of the list. Uh, but yeah, I take, you know, it's always difficult when you go back and you try to analyze a loss and wh- where's your positives, where are your negatives? Um, you know, the negatives obviously are so much easier to find. Uh, I don't think that we necessarily played one of our better games of the year as far as performance across the board. Uh, but that being said, I thought we played, uh, played well and I think we played much better than I think a lot of people maybe expected us to play against an opponent of the quality of Fort Fry uh, to the point where I think they maybe did some things that maybe they didn't anticipate having to do. Um, I thought our kids once again went out and uh, played as hard as they could play start to finish, which is, you know, uh, Craig and I were talking earlier today, what's the identity of this team? And I think that's one of those things, you know, we've we've created this image of being a blue collar uh, physical football team that plays as hard as they can from the beginning to the end. And because of that, we put ourselves uh, in some positive positions. We put ourselves um, uh, in, in some uh, opportune situations where we could be successful. And sometimes we took advantage of that. Sometimes we didn't. Uh, but that being said, uh, you know, we, we also know that Fort Fry is one of those teams that when they have, uh, the opportunity to, uh, kind of put a team away, they just find a way to make that happen, you know? So the fact that, uh, we led seven to nothing, um, for uh, quite a long period of time, actually, maybe the longest that Fort Fry's trailed all year. Uh, you know, we'd have to go back and actually do a lot of research to verify that, but I think there's a lot of truth to it uh, yeah. because, you know, that hasn't been a situation they've been put in a lot this year. You know, and you go back and look at the fact that uh, in a fourth and short situation in a red zone area, they decided to kick, an, uh, kick a field goal instead of go for it, which is not something they typically do in the regular season. But I, I think that they kind of felt like, well, hey, we better get these three points, uh, you know, and make this a two-score ball game right now uh, and then see what happens afterwards. I think that mattered to them. And then, uh, you know, late in the game when uh, – uh, you know, we were driving uh, later and they called timeout, you know, just to kind of, you know, put the brakes on, you know, to, uh, to kind of uh, reset their mindset on defense. I think, again, was another good indicator of, uh, you know, some things that we were doing during that game um, that, you know, may go unseen if you're just scoreboard watching. And, uh, you know, so from that standpoint, I think we made a lot of progress uh, comparably speaking to last year's version of this contest to this year's. Yeah, and I think that's uh, – so to explain kind of my, my, my word choice there, I mean, I think that's the thing is, A, I think that uh, it wouldn't be unfair to say that um, in some ways, you know, Fort Fry um, almost embarrassed, you know um, – Logan last year in the way that they were just so physically dominant up front. And so I think that it was something that to, to explain to this team to say, Hey, you know, this is what Fort Fry is capable of. And so you've got to rise up to a much higher level than where you were last year. And it's a lot of the same kids playing in, in the, in the trenches. Um, and I think they did that. I think, um, you know, I've watched this team for the last 10 years and a lot of times by week eight, nine and 10, you're not quite sure what you're going to get. I think there are some kids that are starting to focus on, you know, the the next season if they're underclassmen, focus on the next sport for some of the seniors. Um, you see kids that, um, you know, 
by no means do I think they're they're not working hard, but they're they're working different. And I think that they're not necessarily as focused as they had been the first, you know, maybe five or six weeks. You start to lose some of that focus. And I think that sometimes, um, you know, from a game plan standpoint, it's easy to say, well, let's just go out and do what we do. Let's not do anything special. And I think that, uh, you know, your your staff had had game plans on on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, I think the kids obviously were bought into what those schemes were because they couldn't hang with Fort Fry for a quarter and a half without buying into those schemes, you know, making that a really close football game. So that's why I picked that word choices. To me, it was kind of like your kids saying, hey, what happened last year? That's not Logan football. And we want to make sure Fort Fry knows that they might be a better football team than us in 2021 and 2022. But we're going to we're going to salvage, you know, a little bit of our program and show that, you know, hey, even we're out when we're not as uh, talented as the team we play, we're going to make you work for it. Well, I, there's actually, there are so many things that you just brought up that I could probably sit here and talk for an hour on. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I'll try to remember some points that I was thinking of as, as you were going, you know, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that's helped to motivate us this year, especially late in the season is the opportunity to get back to 500. Um, I think that's been, uh, you know, kind of a, uh, an empowering scenario to be in because we haven't been in it for a long time. We were also, um, you know, playing in week eight and having conversations about what if and playoffs. That hasn't happened in a long time. You know, so I think that had a lot to do with, you know, our focus, our intensity. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you would have, if you would have polled the kids in that locker room last week, I think most of them would have said, you know what, if we go out and do the right things, we can win this game. And that mentality switch, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, believe them or don't believe them. That is the reality. Um, you know, because what's whatever happens is what they believe is going to happen, you know, and then uh, it's not a surprise to them, you know. So I would say to the to the next point is that I think that's a struggle for us this week is that we don't have that let down um, because I think it's extremely important to get this fourth win. Uh, I think this is a great springboard into the offseason. Uh, I think it really allows these seniors to put their mark on the program in instilling some values uh, into our underclassmen moving forward. And also for our seniors, I want them to, I want them to have a positive last experience, you know, cause I believe they've earned it, you know, th- their level of, attention to detail, buy into the system, buy into the program, having spent four years in it and really transforming themselves, um, uh, you know, from the bad news bears into, uh, you know, a group of kids that are formidable opponents. And uh, that happened, you know, and uh, again, if you're just looking at records and scoreboard watching, you say, well, but did it really? Uh, if you if you get a peek behind the curtain, if you get to walk into that locker room, you know, um, today versus three years ago. Yeah, you're, you're going to see a vast difference. And, uh, you know, and that's a compliment to our players and our coaches uh, that we're in that position. So I think this game's extremely important from that standpoint. And uh, and, and I do think, though, that you're you're 100 percent correct that. There's also the possibility sitting there that there could be this letdown that, you know, that because now playoffs aren't really an option, that being 500 really isn't an option. Well, we know it's not an option. You know, what what version of ourselves are we going to see? So I think that's the challenge that we have as coaches this week uh, is to make sure that uh, we're helping to keep our players focused, uh, energized and dialed into what it is they want to accomplish uh, and not allowing them to lose sight of what they set out to do this season. Uh, because this is a big game, you know, this is a team that uh, last year 
Uh, again, we kind of talked earlier that Fort Fry kind of embarrassed us. I don't think there's any question that Zanesville did the exact same thing at 43 to nothing. And uh, and a few things that uh, – and, and maybe they're not bulletin board material to everybody, but they are to me. You know, so last year it was, you know, we played game 10 at home. So that was our senior walk. And that was, you know, kind of that moment for that group of kids. And, uh, you know, Zanesville, uh, you know, their players and staff members and family members, you know, gathered around the, uh, the field for 20 to 40 minutes, just celebrating with each other and hugging their girlfriends and kissing their moms and telling stories with their coaches. I get it. It was their week 10, too. Um, but they did it you know, in, um, in a location that was very obvious to us, uh, you know, and, and I, I, to me, that's, that's a little jab, you know, that's, uh, that's something I took personal. And, and I remember last year, week 10, turning around to the underclassmen as the seniors are taking their walk. And I said, don't you forget this next year. You know, so to me, it's a little personal. I think there's a little something there. Uh, you know, so so there's there's some of that going on. And uh, so and then uh, Coach Hufford and I, as we had, uh, you know, we had our powerlifting team out this winter. We happened to be at a meet and ran into a couple of the Zanesville players, a couple of their linemen. And uh, great kids. We talked to them for 15, 20 minutes and just talking about the game and, you know, talking about, uh, you know, what a great team they had because they did. You know, they, they're very talented guys. They were, uh, And these particular players, um, you know, very physical, very strong, really, really good high school football players. We were kind of talking about the game. And one of, the, one of their kids goes, Coach, you know, I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but you do realize we didn't even practice offense that week. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because, well, coaches felt like we didn't need to take any offensive reps to be able to beat you guys. So during all of our offensive periods, we just looked, we just worked on our eight muddle concepts to get ready for the playoffs. So again, you know, there's another kick in the teeth. Um, so I think there's, I think there's a lot to play for, in my opinion. You know, I think there's a little bit of respect that needs to be earned back. Uh, and I hope our players take that seriously. Uh, you know, I, I, I like the comment that you made earlier that this is Logan football. And um, as a head coach and as players on this team, we define what that means. And I, I want people to know that we're not fun to play against. You know, we're not, you know, we're not your uh, homecoming game every year. You know, it needs to, that mentality that needs to change. And I think our players have done a good job this year of becoming a team that you don't necessarily want to have to play. You know, whether you think you're going to win or not, you should know you're going to get punched in the face. This is going to be a physical knockdown drag out football game and you're going to be hurt when it's over. You know, it's not like, you know, anybody's out to injure anybody. It's not that kind of a concept, but it's, but it is that style of play. And I think our, our players have kind of adopted that mentality. We play hard. We play physical. We give tremendous effort regardless of what the scoreboard says. And because of that, we have opportunities to be in football games, um, uh, Craig and I were talking about it earlier today, going back to the Chillicothe game. He said, you know, he said it kind of seemed different in the second half of that game and then moving forward. And that was, you know, that was probably the drum that I was beating on all week was if we want to neutralize their talent advantage, we have to be the more physical team. We have to frustrate them by the fact that we're we're going to be physical with you, whether you know you're more talented or not. You're going to have you're going to have to hit a little harder. You're going to have to block longer. You know you're going to have to gang tackle. You know we're going to do things the way this game was designed to be played, that in some ways can neutralize which players better. Um, and so from that standpoint, I think that's kind of who we've become. 
And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that we can play in a way on Friday that continues that growth process, that identity, um, and, and kind of leads us into the off season because that's one of the places that we made the greatest gain this year uh, was adding size and strength to our players so that they could, so that they could play in that style of game. And so we're going to have to do the exact same thing this off season. We're going to have to have a big jump in the weight room. We're going to have to have great numbers, great participation. We have to see that strength growth. We have to see that additional 10, 15 pounds put on our kids without losing a step you know, in their vertical and change of direction to be able to compete with uh, teams that get placed on our schedule, you know? So I think that's what we're trying to build moving forward. Yeah, I totally agree. I was talking to a few people about uh, Friday night's game and just how it's such a, to me, it's a big game and I, I don't want to say it's pressure, but it's just such a massive opportunity because I agree, you know, getting to a fourth win getting to four and six, it, it sounds a lot different than three and seven, you know, four and six, you could say, Hey, a few bounces break our way and we're above 500. You're three and seven. And that's not really true. Then a few bounces and you could, you could have got, you could have lucked into five and five, you could have lucked into 500 versus, Hey, a few bounces go our way and we're above 500. Uh, that, and that's very real. Um, you know, if you can carry through and, and, and close out the season, um, strong in the way I think your team has built, especially um, really, I, I would agree starting with that chill coffee game and kind of from then on, it's been uh, a little bit different football team as far as the physicality, the overall effort and intensity that your team's played with has been important. Um, and, uh, you know, I think one thing that's helped second half of season two is, uh, you know, on offense, we've seen a little bit more diversity and, and not just, you know, uh, it's easy to say, oh, we'll throw the ball more and that's diversity. But to me, it's the diversity in the run game and it's new concepts and it's using misdirection in new ways. Uh, you know, you being able to utilize, you know, Sturgill more as, as the Wildcat quarterback that can give you just a different look and a different feel. Um, and I saw more of that on Friday. Yeah, I think uh, there's been uh, a lot of growth on that side of the ball, um, and I and I think there's um, there's a variety of reasons for that. If you go back and look at us, uh, the first three games, especially, you know, we basically, um, you know, ended up with one guy that was a threat, um, and. In this style of offense, if you've got one guy who's a threat, you might as well line up in the eye back and come downhill. Just put a big fullback in front of him and say, okay, we're either going left or right this time. You know, but when you're in an offense like this where misdirection is such an important part and you're not worried about the misdirection or you're not worried about did the quarterback actually hand it off or not, uh, you're, you're, you know, you're giving uh, your opponent an advantage. And uh, that's – you know, that that's so counterproductive in what it is that we try to do in this offense. So, yes, the development of uh, Caden Morgan um, and, you know, the fact that he's averaging over six yards a touch now, uh, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, Chris Gumpf at our, at our B-back position is getting close to four yards a touch now, uh, you know, and when Sturge goes in, just the simple dynamic of does he have the ball or not, um, you know, and, and, and actually our play action pass game has improved so much in the last four weeks. Sure. You know, so, so all of that in the development has become so important. And I think part of that is the confidence that each player has in their own position and also their understanding of the offense so that, uh, you know, coach Huffer can add what he calls the flavor of the week which is usually a formation uh, adjustment and or uh, a motion adjustment. And, uh, you know, that was something that was that that was very effective for us, especially early in the game last Friday, uh, where we put in our orbit motion, which we hadn't used all year. Where we start in one direction, snap the ball, he goes the other, uh, used a lot more of our false and bluff pulls with our guards uh, because we knew they were a heavy guard read team from their linebackers. So we could misdirect from that standpoint. You know, we could send guys in the wrong direction. Uh, you know, by utilizing guys who generally speaking aren't impact players on the play. Uh, so you can block guys without ever touching them. And uh, so a lot of that, uh, you know, has, has, has just, uh, again, it was one of those things where, 
Coach Hufford gives me a hard time because I'm a guy, I want every single thing in the playbook. You know, so I want it on a piece of paper that we can do it. And he's like, yeah, but we can't do it. I said, I know that we can't physically do it right now, but eventually we're going to be able to do all of these things, you know? So I want to be able to open up this big giant cupboard and see all the jars on the shelf, you know? Uh, And when we started this season, you know, it was more like, okay, we're going to pick and choose. Here's the four things that we think we're going to start with. You know, and then once everybody grasped those concepts, we develop them to the point where they become second nature. Now they're, ha- you know, they're habitual. Okay, now let's grab a couple more jars off the shelf. And now let's add these ingredients. And that's kind of how, um, you know, the offense has morphed over the course of the season. And actually to the point where um, we, we made a lot more advances than maybe I even thought we would be able to. Uh, I think we saw a little bit today of uh, maybe we stepped over the line a little bit. You know, we went to practice today and we added a couple of flavors and it was like, ah, okay. So halfway through practice, we said, okay, uh, you know, because the quarterback's looking at his wrist coach to get ready to call the play in the huddle and coaches in the background. No, no, no. Check, check, check. Don't put this piece in. Just put this piece in. Uh, because it, it, we, we found out it was a little bit too much. You know, we finally found that boundary. Um, now, it's unfortunate that we found a boundary, but it's also uh, such a huge amount of progress that it took to week 10 to before we found it. You know, so yeah. you've got to kind of weigh that out in the goods and the bads. And, uh, you know, we're still going to be able to do some things this week that we didn't do last week. So we're going to have a couple of new looks. We're just not going to have as many as maybe we thought we were going to have, because what we don't want to do is just add it for the sake of adding it. You know, and so then you get misalignment, you get misassignment. Now you're not as efficient, Uh, you know, so we only want to do what our players are capable of doing physically and mentally. Uh, you know, and I think that's why it's so important as a coaching staff that you kind of evaluate those things. And, you know, you can put it, you can put any plan together Sunday afternoon, the coaches meeting you want. Uh, but if your kids can't go out and execute, it doesn't really matter. And, uh, you know, so we had the, you know, that's the, that's one of the reasons why we go offense on Tuesday. Uh, because that gives us a chance to look at all those things. Then we come back and rep it again on Wednesday, uh, you know, and kind of, you know, add, subtract and multiply and divide from there based on what it is we think we can actually carry as a game plan into Friday. So, so yes, we've definitely uh, improved leaps and bounds on that side of the ball. You know, even if you just look statistically in, in uh, what we've been able to do from a percentage standpoint. You know, the number of three consecutive first downs that we've had uh, in the second half of the season, uh, the improvement in our red zone percentage and so on. Uh, you know, those things have, have continued to improve and, um, you know, something that we're going to have to, you know, try to, again, build some momentum uh, moving into the offseason. Yeah, and you did a lot on offense and you still had um, uh, a couple of guys shuffle around the offensive line. Obviously, you didn't have your, your right tackle. Uh, so I had to shuffle some guys around there. And then the second half, you know, had to play uh, a backup center. And I thought, you know, overall ag- against a team that's as technique and fundamentally sound as Fort Fry, it's such a big challenge. And, uh, you know, again, not the overall result you want, but also it, it wasn't like all of a sudden none of those guys could compete, I would say. Well, and it goes all back to player development. Uh, I think, I don't know whether it was you and I talking on one of these segments or whether it was Craig and I uh, in a Tuesday afternoon interview. uh, But I think that's so critically important uh, in our program. You know, you know, everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, but uh, you know, most of the teams who choose not to play us, choose not to play us because they look at the enrollment at the high school. Well, they're just such a big school, you know, and, you know, we don't want to play, uh, you know, uh, you know, a school that size. Uh, And then other teams that take a look at our roster. Well, we've got, you know, they started the season. They had 72 guys on our roster. You know, that's just more players than we have. And they're going to be, and I get that side. Again, if you're on the outside looking in, those are the things you see. You see numbers. Um, but when you're on the inside and you're looking out, 
you know, here's what we see. We see that we do have numbers. We have kids, you know, this year we had, I think, um, four kids that had never played football before in their life came out. We had one kid who'd never played a sport in his life and he came out. Uh, we had some, you know, sophomores and juniors who maybe hadn't played since they were in the eighth grade. Um, I think we had, and actually I think we had a kid come out that hadn't played since he was in Tomahawks, you know? So yeah, we've got numbers uh, from that standpoint, but we don't necessarily have a lot of football savvy, a lot of football experience. And so, you know, we, we go from having our, what we, you know, what you might refer to as having your number ones, um, there, there's, there's quite a void between your number one and your number three. Um, so I think that's so hugely important as a coaching staff that we work during the season to develop our second and third string players because it's a drop of a hat. They're going to be starters. You know, you're, you're one twisted ankle away from you being the guy and we still have to be competitive. So if you ignore those players as coaches, uh, you're doing a disservice to your football team, you know, so player development is hugely important, uh, you know, especially in the off season, um, you know, but also in season as well. Uh, you know, we get we get frustrated a lot on Tuesdays, man. I tell you what, we go out there and we so not only is Coach Hufford throwing in his flavor of the week, but I'm rolling eight linemen out there every other play. And he's like, why didn't that work? I was like, well, because that guy's only played like four snaps all year and he forgot the block down, you know? I mean, yeah, okay. So he messed the play up because he didn't, you know, he just doesn't have the experience. But if we don't ever put him out there, I'm not going to get it. He's not going to get a chance to mess it up and I'm not going to have a chance to coach him on it. You know, so yeah. we we roll guys through practice as much as we can and give these guys reps uh, because we have to have them ready um, as quickly as we can get them ready. And, uh, yeah. and, and that's the beauty of doing it over the course of 10 weeks. You know, if you just wait till a guy gets injured and then you throw what you think is your next best guy in and say, okay, now you're going to take reps. Well, he's not going to get ready in two days. You know, it takes weeks. Um, you know, so again, you know, player development is hugely important. And I think that's one of the reasons why we were able to remain competitive in the second half, uh, even with two backups on the offensive line, because those guys, even though, yeah, they're technically backups, they've been getting varsity reps on Tuesdays and Wednesdays for the last eight weeks. Yep. Yeah, I don't know if uh, you and I talked about it recently on here or you and Craig, but I know before the season, you and I talked about that, that, you know, one thing that I think, uh, frankly, this program just has no choice to do is, is to develop players. You know, you can, uh, as a high school coach, you deal with the players that are walking the hallways, right? And then uh, on some level, you know, there, there's got to be a way to get more out of each one of those kids. And I think it's an example of something that you guys have done well this year. And I, I also think, you know, your your defensive game plan on Friday was good, too. I think uh, we, we talk a lot about one advantage of the wing T is that um, teams don't see it very often. Right. And so they, um, you know, it's just something that teams have to work on week to week. Well, this is one week where your defense uh, had to feel a little more comfortable that, OK, you know, we we know what this looks like. We've repped some of this, you know, a lot of them play both ways. So they they, they understand how it works. Um, and uh, you guys lined up a little bit different defensively. I imagine uh, some ways that you like to defend the wing key and uh, seem like that game plan uh, for chunks of the game uh, bore fruit. Now, certainly a team is skilled. And again, uh, talk about going to flavor of the week. Fort Fry's got a lot of flavors they could dip into and we're able to do that because they've, you know, they've got a really talented group of kids. Uh, they've got coaches and kids that have been running this uh, offense for a lot longer time. But uh, I thought your defensive game plan also was uh, was um, different and uh, did give Fort Price some problems. Well, I think one of the things that uh, to me was most interesting was uh, so. I tend to be for guys that have worked with me. If any of them actually even listen to us, talk to each other, I have no idea. Uh, but guys that have worked with me know that I tend to be overly creative um, from a defensive standpoint. And I want to take everybody's everything away and have a tendency to, uh, you know, complicate things because 
does it work? Does it sound? Yes. But does anybody other than me actually understand what we're trying to accomplish? A lot of times the answer to that is no. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, Coach Kimes, who uh, worked with me for uh, many years at Parkersburg High School in Parkersburg South, uh, he texts me Sunday night. He goes, man, you got to send me some pictures of all this, all this stuff that you're drawing up to stop Fort Fry." And I text him back. I said, no, man, just playing some bass, letting our kids play fast. And, uh, and that kind of was the deal this year. Uh, you know, we did some things in the secondary a little bit differently uh, in that instead of just sitting in a bass cover three, we ran some cover six uh, to yeah. put some different hats in different places. Uh, but other than that, you know, we, we, we want to stay simple. We want to stay basic. Uh, we, I feel like we've played really good defense all year. And that was a comment I made to our kids. Uh, I said, listen, I'm not out here reinventing a defense to try to stop this team. I said, I trust you. I trust our players. I trust those 11 guys on the field, uh, to go out there and play the way they've played all year with that same level of effort and intensity and physicality. I, I don't want to slow you down, man. I want, here's the tendencies. Here's what they like to do when this guy goes this way and this guy goes that way. Here's what they like to run. Now you go stop it. And for the most part, we didn't overcomplicate things for our kids. Uh, we found a couple of uh, key tendencies uh, where we were able to turn on and turn off some certain things as far as what our players were reading and reacting to, um, which, again, is a little different than what we'd done all year. But as a base schematic, we just kind of wanted to, you know, we just wanted to go play some football. And uh, and uh, I, I, I guess the pat on the back is at the end of the game, Fort Fry agreed with you. You know, that was the first thing Coach Huck said is, man, what a great game plan. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, we, we, we kind of just, you know, uh, made a couple of tweaks, you know, but just went and played football. Uh, I think the other thing that, uh, you know, when you look at it and you say, oh, here they, they, they started taking advantage of, you, uh, advantage of us here, wasn't until they started doing things they hadn't done all year, and that was scatting in and out of formations, you know, and uh, we put them in a position where they felt like they had to to gain leverage because uh, that, those were a couple of those tweaks that we made was we made sure our kids had leverage on every snap. You know, so we, we we had players to defend perimeter runs. So you couldn't just run jet all night. Uh, but yet we had enough hats in the box that you couldn't run, you know, trap belly and power and beat us either. And uh, so, you know, they went to a lot more of the scat game and starting in one formation. And then they, you know, ready, set, go, move everybody and then snap as quick as they could while our kids were still trying to adjust in the secondary to what that was. And uh, I think the first two series that they did that they 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 took advantage of it and uh you know two of those scores that kind of put them uh in the driver's seat uh came on two consecutive drives where that's what happened uh so they finally found the answer uh and went to it and uh they were able to take advantage of it before we could get the adjustment made on our side of the ball and we ended up misaligned twice and, uh, you know, as um, as fate would have it, when you're misaligned, the other team always finds the hole. And that's exactly what happened. You know, they they beat us down. Uh, they uh, they started in a tight end left uh, black formation and then scattered to an overload trip set and our corner and safety misaligned um, and they run a, a perimeter run back right at him. And now all of a sudden he's got 15 yards of green grass in front of him before anybody realized what's happened. So now they got a big play. They're down inside the red zone, you know, and then the, they did the same thing in the next possession uh, where again, we were rotating in the secondary and they hit us with a mid mid range pass and we miss a tackle and he goes down the sideline. Uh, you know, and those two things happened prior to us being able to make the in-game adjustment um, for our kids to understand exactly how to adjust to their scat concept. Um, you know, so, you, you, you know, 
it's one of those, you know, woulda, coulda situations. But, you know, up until then, we'd done all the right things. You know, now it's about who can make the adjustment faster. Um, and, you know, they were able to make them fast enough to get two scores and kind of put themselves in a position to, uh, you know, start to sit on the ball a little bit on offense, you know, try to, you know, control the uh, ground game a little bit and limit our possessions. And that's kind of how it ended up going. They are really good at uh, sitting on the ball, aren't they? I mean, the second half when uh, that quarterback sits there and watches that play clock tick down and does a really nice job of, uh, you know, controlling that ball in the second half and, um, you know, seeing a little bit of them on film and it's not the first time I've seen them do that. It's something they're, they're really good at. Um, I did want to give a shout out, you know, Tyler Dawson uh, recorded uh, 19 tackles, uh, three of them for loss for you guys. Uh, he's a senior linebacker that maybe we haven't mentioned by name this year, uh, but obviously a, a, a huge amount of numbers and uh, a guy who's been pretty reliable for you all season. Well, Tyler Dawson, he's one of those kids, you know, Craig and I were actually, um, regardless of who I talk to about this, um, one of, um, without a doubt, the toughest day of the year is the day I say goodbye to the senior class. And uh, I I tend to be a pretty emotional guy anyway when it comes to those kinds of things. And uh, this kid just, he ranks right up there. You know, this kid's got a special place in my heart. You know, he's five foot nothing, you know, 150 pounds, and uh, he just plays with reckless abandon. You know, he throws that body into whatever's coming at him. And, uh, you know, he's played through injury all year. He's been in an, uh, in an elbow brace, out of an elbow, elbow brace, back into another one. I mean, he just – he's that kid, you know. He just – but he never misses a practice. He never misses a rep. He plays uh, every rep on Friday. He plays every rep on scout team during the week. Uh, you know, he just, you know, he's a true competitor and a true warrior, uh, and a great example for, you know, undersized players coming up in the system, you know, who have a skill set and sometimes get overlooked, uh, you know, because they don't meet that stature and, you know, of maybe some other guys. Um, but, uh, Tremendous family, tremendous kid. Uh, love him to death, man. He just, he just, just, he's a great human being. And uh, I, I was really happy for him and the success that he's had all year. And the fact that he's just so tough, you know, and he's, he played through a lot of discomfort, played through a lot of, you know, uh, situations where he was banged up. And uh, on Friday night, it just seemed like he was, he was in the right place at the right time all the time. Uh, you know, he might not have always been the first helmet there, but he was the second or the third, uh, you know, and he was a factor in so many things that happened. All right, Coach, so circling back to player development, uh, you know, JV football came to an end last Saturday, and I know that's something that uh, you've been keeping an eye on this year. Well, you know, I think it's tremendously important because you learn so much about your younger players. Uh, you know, you're, you're not necessarily counting wins and losses, uh, which for some of those guys are things we have to point out because they're like – uh, you know, because they get all fired up or disappointed based on, I said, listen, that doesn't go in the record book. You know, I said, Spence keeps a record book. JV wins, loss, not in there. You know, it's because not. that's, it's well, not. But, but that's not the purpose of the program. You know, the purpose of the program is I want to see um, how you compete. You know, w- what do you do when you're up two scores? How do you react? What do you do when you're down two scores? How do you react? When you come off the field and coach gives you a coaching point, uh, do you shrug him off and go to the sideline because you know better? Or do you look him in the eye and are you coachable? Uh, You know, when somebody on your team makes a mistake, do you point your finger at him and yell at him? Or do you pat him on the butt and encourage him to do better next time? Uh, th- those are some, those in themselves are some of the most critical things that you learn about players in JV and freshman contests. Uh, because those are some intangibles that we can't necessarily instill in a player. You know, what's your level of competition? You know, what does it take before you give up? 
What does it take before you get so fired up you won't ever give up? You know, how willing are you to accept constructive criticism? Um, you know, what do you do to try to inspire your teammates or vice, uh, you know, conversely, what do you do uh, that maybe is counterproductive to your teammates? You know, there's, there are so many of those kinds of things that I look for uh, when I'm watching a JV in a freshman contest. Uh, and, and the other thing is, is, is that player potentially ready for a Friday night contest? Uh, because in my mind, if I'm watching a JV contest, a Friday night player should stand out. I mean, it should be yeah. almost obvious. Oh, that guy's dominating everybody he sees. So physically, he's ready. You know, then it comes down to the evaluation to mentally, is he's ready? Uh, because all of those pieces really do come into play. You know, it's not just a simple fact of, you know, and I've been at JV games and, and so this isn't a Logan comment. I was, a, it was a different school I was coaching at and, you know, some dad yelling from the bleachers, put the big receivers in. And it's like, okay, you are correct. We do have a kid who's six, four standing behind us and we could put him at wide receiver. Problem is the kid couldn't catch a cold if he was standing naked in a blizzard. You know, so it, it's not as simple as, oh, put the biggest kid in or put the fastest kid in. That's that's not what this is about. Yes, physically, maybe from a stature standpoint, they could dominate. Maybe. Uh, but there's so many of the other pieces that go into that. You know, uh, does he know what is this, what his alignment and his assignment is? You know, uh, how does he conduct himself in the huddle? Is he a good leader with his teammates? Um, is he paying attention to the game? That's the other thing that I think is absolutely insane when I watch some JV games is there'll be a change of possession and a kid won't know we're on offense. We're like, well, they just kicked off to us. Obviously, we're on offense. And you got to turn around and yell, hey, you're supposed to be at guard. Oh, I'm sorry. And then he puts his helmet on and runs out into the huddle 30 seconds late. You know, right. are you being attentive? Are you invested in what's happening? You know, all of those, you know, what might seem to be minor details are so important when you're evaluating young players and where they are in your program as far as being ready to be a contributor on a Friday. Uh, so, so there's so, there's so many pieces that go into it, but, you know, obviously, as we were saying earlier, player development being so important, this is where you really get to learn who needs those reps on Tuesday and Wednesday at practice. Who are the guys that have earned it, from those standpoints on a Saturday game or a Monday game that, okay, I've got to plug this guy on in on Tuesday, Wednesday, getting some rep against some older guys and just see what he's got to show us. Yeah. I think uh, two things, you know, I'd add there is uh, a, you know, I don't keep records on JV games, but you know, I do, uh, I do watch them, you know, when they're, when they get uploaded the huddle uh, and certainly in years past, uh, you know, through the, uh, the NFHS uh, service where, you know, I can stream the games on Friday, they stream a lot of the JV games and, you know, I, I do watch them. It's fun to see kind of which kids are, are playing and competing, uh, you know, maybe who's, uh, who are the guys you want to watch out for for next year. But I think something you've mentioned to me previously and the fact of a wins and losses not mattering is you don't have the same kids every week on a JV team. You know, there might be a week where, um, a kid and, you know, I think a few weeks ago when, uh, when Fraley played a lot in the varsity game, uh, the downside of that meant, you know, he's not playing in the JV game on Saturday because he's playing so much in the, in the, in the varsity football game. And I know with, uh, with Wolf, that's been a, that's been an issue at, 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 for certain games this year. You know, if he's, if he's starting on one side of the ball and playing most of the snaps, you know, he's not playing in a JV game on Saturday. So, uh, you've got different kids, but also how do they respond to moving up, moving down? Do they keep giving the same effort? I know that's something you guys keep an eye on. Oh, well, there, there's, 
there's actually that's a great point. I I, I feel bad that I actually missed that one because it, it is such it's so hugely important um, because there is a ton of fluctuation. Uh, you know, so as a player, uh, you know, we don't necessarily count against them from a rep standpoint when they're a special team starter, for example. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, the Buckeye Valley game, we ran a, we ran a ton of two tight end sets, you know, so Wolfie's playing, you know, tight end two you know, probably 50% of that game. So, no, because of that, we don't send him to the game on Saturday, um, you know, or, um, you know, as you mentioned earlier, Jay Frey, that happened to him. It happened with uh, Height earlier in the season, who now is starting at left tackle. Some games he'd play, some games he wouldn't. Happened with uh, Avery Linton a couple of times this year. Uh, you know, because he would start at left guard on Friday while he's not playing on Saturday. Those other weeks where he didn't start. So now he was playing both sides of the ball with a JV game. Uh, you know, so there's probably, I think it's reasonable to say seven to eight players um, that have played uh, varsity snaps and JV snaps and, you know, most often never in the same week. Uh, so you do always have a little bit different roster rolling out there into your JV games. Um, so, you know, not, you know, wasn't trying to make light of, uh, you know, wins and losses from a JV standpoint, uh, which I know that isn't what you were alluding to, but, you know, I, I, you know, but that is important that if people are actually listening to us talk, you know, it's not like those games don't matter. You know, yeah. it's not like we don't care if they win or lose because obviously there, there's nothing acceptable about losing. You know, that's never okay. Um, but there are a lot more factors that go into that contest versus a Friday night contest uh, because you are going to have a little bit different roster from week to week, uh, you know, based on uh, which players have moved up or down. And I think it's also interesting um, you know, when you're evaluating those players, what are their response to that? You know, how does the JV, uh, a quote unquote JV player, how does he respond when he gets his opportunity on Friday? And or if you've got a Friday night player who maybe doesn't get the reps that he normally gets. And so you ask him to go to a JV game on Saturday. You know, how does he respond to that? Well, I'm too good to play or, oh, man, I can't wait to go play because I want to get reps this week. You know, there there are so many different dynamics that go into that. And every kid reacts just a little bit differently. Uh, But you learn a lot about kids based on how they react. Um, and, and I think the easiest way for me to summarize all of that is there's absolutely uh, no substitute for game reps. I don't care if that's a freshman game, a JV game, or a varsity game. Live full speed reps cannot be simulated. I don't care if you're coaching, coaching at Maslin or you're coaching at Logan. You can't simulate live full speed reps. Um, And part of that is due to a high high school's rules on, you know, how many minutes of live you can go or however you want to, you know, however you want to dilute that water. Um, There just isn't a simulation. Uh, You know, when you're talking about a bigger school, then, you know, and and they might be able to go ones versus ones. Well, they can only go ones versus ones so many minutes a week. Yeah. You look at a smaller school or a smaller roster, well, you only have so many goods that can go versus goods. Um, so even then, you could go, you could say to hell with the high high schools and we're going to go live the whole practice. But even then, it really isn't because – the level of competition isn't the same on the other side of the ball, you know? So those reps that you get um, in an actual game scenario, or you can't compare those to anything else, you know? So I, it's so important that a player understand that, you know, playing in a JV game or playing in a freshman game, that's not a demotion. That's an opportunity because you're going to go get, live reps versus somebody else who's also trying to win the game 
which isn't something you'd simulate in practice. Nobody there's trying to win the practice. You know, right. here we're trying to win a game. How do you respond to that? Um, and, you know, and, and what effort level do you put into that? What kind of teammate are you in that moment? Tells us a lot about, um, you know, what is it that you can do to help the varsity program advance? How ready are you um, to maybe just take a small step forward and uh, be a one-way player or, you know, maybe be on, you know, maybe, maybe the focus is, oh, hey, can this guy help us on punt team? You know, and then all, all of a sudden, man, this guy's this guy's tearing it up on punt team. Now he's he's got to be on every special team, you know, and all oh, because he's gotten all these Friday night reps on all these special teams. You know, now you're more comfortable putting in him, you know, putting him in at free safety or whatever it happens to be. Uh, so, yeah, there's a, there's a ton of dynamics that go into uh, all those different scenarios and and they do matter. You know, I mean, every one of those moments matters. Uh, you know, we actually lost a player this year uh, simply because he wasn't getting as many Friday night reps as we really hoped he would get. And, you know, it was it was a depth chart situation, you know, and because of that, he wasn't getting as many reps. But we as a coaching staff were like, this guy's going to be a great player for us. We, we think this guy can help us, but he's just not ready yet. So let's not um, just put him on the sideline all week, you know, and say, hey, listen, we'd, we'd like for you to go uh, be the starter on the JV team. And while that message wasn't received well, it's like, well, no, I'm a varsity level player. I'm not going to go play JV. And because of that, he decided not to play. And that's a huge loss for us. Huge loss. Uh, because it's an underclassman that I think um, as, as, a, as an eventual senior would have been a very, very talented football player for us. But because his vision of where he was in the program and where he was being utilized in the program were different. He saw it as a demotion instead of an opportunity. Um, and I, I, I would be remiss to say part of that's my fault. And maybe it wasn't relayed correctly in a way that he truly understood what our intentions were. Um, I think the other part of it go, has to go back to um, his overall perception of what his role is and, and what it is we're asking of him at that moment with an open-minded vision of what it can be and what it is we're trying to accomplish in a big-picture standpoint. Um, so I think you have to be honest with your kids. I think you have to be open-minded with them. You have to be willing to explain, here's why we're doing it. Here's the purpose behind it. Because we're in, we're in the player development business. We want you to be the best player that you could possibly be when you graduate high school. Uh, and I think that's something that we have not done a very good job of um, when we're bringing freshmen into our program. You know, I think so many young kids, they just kind of cruise through the first two years and they're like, oh, well, I'm not going to be a starter. You know, I, you know, I, I'm just going to show up to practice, go through the motions, be a part of this. And then when I'm a junior and a senior, well, then I'll really turn it on. Then I'll really put the time and effort into the offseason. Then I'll really show what I'm all about. And, yeah, you can do that. But when you then become that senior – you've advanced two years. Whereas if you come in as a freshman and you're like, I'm going to be the very best I can be every single day. I'm going to take advantage of every opportunity that I have. Now you're growing and advancing for four years. Not well, and, and, yeah. And that has to create complacency for your upperclassmen too, right? You know, if you're, if you've got oh. those freshmen and sophomores, you know, pushing and scrapping and fighting, you know, for, 
you know, those reps in practice for playing time on, you know, Fridays or, or Saturdays, you know, freshmen taking reps from juniors on a Saturday JV game. You know, I think, um, you know, everyone works better when you know that you've got to do your best every day or someone's going to, you know, take those reps or take those snaps. Spence, you're speaking my language because, yeah, that is a problem that we have. Um, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's true because our top players know they're our top players. And it's easy for them to become complacent because at the end of the day, they're going to be the guys that we put on the field to try to win the football game. And not all players, you know, I'm not saying that's, this is what happens across the board, but there's one or two every year, you know, they maybe don't put the same effort into every practice or every rep because they're like, ah, I dropped that one. No big deal. I'm still going to start on Friday. Whereas if there's somebody always coming through the program that is like, well, no, I'm catching that ball. I wouldn't have dropped that one. I'd have made that play. You know, then those guys begin to push each other. And, you know, and that's what, the, you know, iron sharpens iron, you know, yeah. and, and, and there's got to be a competitive spirit in everything we do. Um, and, you know, and, that, and that's something that, uh, you know, I, I, I've kind of taken that mentality this year as a position coach with the offensive line. We have shuffled those dudes around. I'll play. I'll play whoever it is that wants to go play. You know, and I grade those guys every week, and you better grade out. You know, because if not, then we'll, we'll we'll give this guy a shot. You know, and I think you know. I think that's when you know. I don't want to go big picture and say as a society, but let's go small picture and say as a program. You know, that's when growth actually happens. You know, there's got to be competition at all times. Um, otherwise, you know, then then you do just fall into the muck and the mire of mediocrity, uh, which has been which again because now I can't stop myself. That's been the ruination of, um, you, uh, you know, of of who we are. You know, because now mediocrity has become the norm. You know, well, this was good enough. Well, no, it's never good enough. But it is if that's what's acceptable. You know, and so we have to develop a system um, where good enough's not good enough. Um, so, okay, so now you got me on, you got me on a roll now, Spence. So I, I wrote <laughs> this, I wrote this down the other day. I can't remember. I was watching a show. Uh, I think it was probably one of those Survivor Series shows because those kind of always attract my attention. You and my uh, wife. You and my yeah. wife. <laughs> well, there you go. So we'll hang out. We'll watch a show. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I wrote this down uh, probably about three, four weeks ago. I said, we'll be a great team when everyone decides that winning is worth sacrificing for and expectations are non-negotiable. And that's kind of where we are. We're growing towards that. We're not even close to getting there yet, in my opinion. But we've shown so much growth and development towards that. You know, winning is worth sacrificing for. You know, that means that I realize you might have had plans with your girlfriend on Saturday, but we got weight room. So you might have to change your plans for a couple hours. Uh, you know, I, I realize that it's inconvenient, you know, to do something. But we got we got a practice schedule. That's got that's you, you know I don't ever say football's got to be first, but it's got to be in your top five. Yeah. You know, if we're in season now, obviously, if we're out of season, yes. OK, we want, you know, basketball to take the front seat or baseball to take the front, you know, whatever sure. that. But regardless of that, if that's not the circumstance, football's got to be in the top five. It has to be. If we're going to get to where we say Logan football is supposed to be. And, and then on top of that, expectations are non-negotiable. I don't care. 
There's a lot of people that say, oh, Coach Eddie's rules, you know, they're not fair. You miss a practice, you got to sit a half or, oh, you got to wear your certain clothes every day or you get QT or – sorry about your luck, man. Those are the expectations. They are non-negotiable. You want to play, you got to come to practice. You want to be able to practice, you better show up on time wearing the right gear, having your equipment with you. Oh, you want to get a rep? You better know your rules. Oh, you don't want to get taken out? Don't fumble the ball. Those are expectations. They're non-negotiable. We can't just pick and choose when it's okay. And if you can't coach your best player, you can't coach any player. And when we get there, then we got an opportunity to be good, to become great. And I think this football team has done a really good job of getting good because they're buying into it. And we are. We're a really good football team. You know, and there's going to be people, um, you know, once this season's over, they're going to have their own own opinions about it. They're going to say maybe this wasn't a good football team. And uh, I'll argue with them till the end of time because I think this is a really good football team. Um, and I'm really proud of this group of kids, you know, nine through 12. And, um, and I, it's, it's been a blessing from God to be able to get to coach them. And I hope this is a springboard into what is next. Uh, cause yes. we can just continue to build upon these things. Yeah. To me, that's the biggest challenge. I think, um, looking at the, op- like, as I said, the opportunity, that this week 10 game brings, but more importantly is um, not to take the backward step from 2022 to 2023. Cause I think, um, I think you had a really good football team at the end of 2019 that was ready to springboard and had laid a foundation. And then for a lot of reasons within and with, uh, and within and outside of, I think um, the control of, of, of any one person, um, you know, there was a massive step back and then uh, a reset for 2021 and then a reset for 2022. And now the foundation's back. And so can, is this now the foundation or do we sink back down in the mud and you have to, you know, spend the 2023 season fighting and scrapping and clawing to get back to being good. Or can you start it good and then build on that? Because if this team can start it good, you know, uh, in the middle of August of 2023, then by the end of the season, they can be really good and maybe even great, you know, but you've got to keep this foundation and not let it sink back down into the mud. I think that's a tremendous analogy. Um, I really thought um, that my first year here, we got off to a really good start. Uh, not, not a good start if you go back and look at the record, but I mean, from the whole year in perspective, yeah, uh, we'd made a ton, we made a ton of progress near the end of the year, um, and and it looked like we were moving in the right direction. And then all hell broke loose. And uh, to some extent, you know, this was almost like year one all over again. Uh, and, and I joked about this earlier. I mean, it's I guess it's a joke. Maybe it's not a joke, but um, you know, should I be fired? Maybe. Uh, I don't think there's anybody out there. I I think you can make an argument either way. Should I? Maybe. I mean, if you just look at what's happened in the last four years, win-loss standpoint, yeah, you can make an argument to get rid of me. Do I deserve to get fired? No, I don't think so. I think because, and the only reason why I say that is because of the growth we have seen. We saw a glimpse of that at the beginning, and we're, and we're actually starting to see the real fruits of it right now. So the test is what happens next. You know, I think we've, we've actually seen a full year of what this is. We had a traditional offseason we had a traditional season. Um, so what comes next? Uh, from that standpoint, I'm actually very, very excited about what the future holds. 
you know, because I think last year's seniors did a very good job of relaying a message in the locker room of team first mentality, care about one another. And, and another statement that was made by that group of kids, don't wait to get started. Don't wait till you're a senior to want to be good. And I think this year's class embraced a lot of those comments um, and have done a really good job of laying a foundation of here's what it takes to be successful. Here's what it takes to be competitive. And if what is now our junior, sophomore, freshman class have learned anything from those experiences of the upperclassmen, and they make that a part of who they are. They make that their mentality. They put that badge on their lapel. Oh, we've accomplished this. Now let's build upon that and take the next step. Then we're making the progress towards being a very competitive football team, regardless of who you put in front of us. Uh, and ultimately, that's, that's the quest. You know, we're, we're not in a situation where we're saying, oh, you know what? We're a really bad football team. Let's go find the worst 10 football teams in Ohio and play them and have, you know, a seven and three football season and just continue to be terrible. That's not the expectations of this community. That's not the expectation of this coaching staff. We're okay with being challenged. That's not the issue. But we also have to embrace the fact that it is a challenge and there are certain steps that we have to take in order to be competitive. And I think we're starting to take those steps and we're taking big steps. Um, and now it's about though, like you said, not taking a step backwards. It's about always moving forward. And uh, I, I'm really excited about what the future can hold um, as long as we don't drop the ball. And as long as our kids continue uh, to want to be in a very competitive environment, because uh, I think you have to build competition into everything you do. Every day is a competition. You know, so here in just a few weeks, we're going to open the weight room doors for the very first time in the in what is going to be the new offseason. And we're going to compete against Jackson day one. We're going to compete against Taze Valley day one. We're competing against everybody on the schedule that day. Not 200 days from now, but right now, today. We are competing against them today. Who's winning today? Every day's competition. Um, and as long as you're willing to embrace that and treat it as a competition day, you're going to get better. All right, Coach. Well, season ends on Friday at Zanesville. Uh, the Blue Devils have won six straight, so it's time to break that duck. Um, I do want to let people know that uh, it may be the end of this football season, but it's not the end of inside the coach's office. Uh, Coach Eddie and I plan to continue um, throughout the offseason. Uh, we will do a season wrap-up episode following the game with Zanesville. Uh, and then we uh, are working on planning a series of off-season episodes uh, that will include special guests, uh, we'll get into topics that are broader than just uh, each game week. Um, and we'll take a look at, um, I think, some interesting topics that will be fun to uh, for us to discuss, uh, to get some guests on here. And I look forward to doing that. Probably won't be a weekly show, bi-weekly or monthly. Uh, and we'll uh, look forward to enjoying that. Uh, I want to thank uh, you for joining us on Inside the Coach's Office. Find us each week on LoganFootball.com, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks to Brett Goff of Six Digital Marketing for producing. For head coach Mike Eddy, this is Spencer Wall signing off. Go Chiefs.